Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome back to episode number 20 of Series 3 of Sofa Cinema Club. I'm Colson Smith and as always I am joined by... Jack P. Shepard. Ben Attraction. Whoa, that doesn't work. That, that's really shit. No, it's got to be Ben Douglas. Ben Douglas? No, Ben Forrest, isn't it? Ben Forrest? Okay, I'll be Ben Forrest. Ben Forrest! <laughs> <laughs> The Sofa Cinema Club is our podcast where we get together to educate each other on films. Now, it's all about the films that we should have seen, but we haven't. So each week we set a film for the other person to watch, and then we come into the studio and we talk about what we loved, hated, and rated. Now, the beauty of our film club, the Sofa Cinema Club, is that anybody can join in. All you have to do is watch along with the film at home and then join us every single Thursday. This week's film has been picked by Jack and Ben. It's their last pick of the series. And for me to watch, they picked Fatal Attraction. But before we get into talking about that, as always, how has your week been? Oh, another bloody walk. <laughs> That's what I went on. And I've seen a picture and you got wet. It absolutely pissed it down. I thought you weren't doing another walk. It was Mother's Day, wasn't it? Oh. So we thought we would take Hanny's mum out on a walk. <laughs> the dogs refused to walk, completely refused. As soon as we got out of the car, they said, no fucking way. Would they drown? They're so small. Yeah. Poor yeah. Things. We had to pick them up and put them inside as coats. Where did you go for a walk? Uh, same place. Goy. Going Goy. To, you went back to the same place. <laughs> I thought the whole point is you go somewhere different. Well, I think it's because there weren't many people. There, first time round. And there was even less this time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was. (laughs) I'll tell you, isn't this fabulous? There's no one here. Pissed on. Did you wear your new coat? Of course he did. (laughs) I wore my new coat. Of course I did. It's the only coat I've got to keep me dry-ish, but I was piss wet through. When I got in the car, you two will know, once we've finished the walk, you know I've got Reynards in my hands. Have you? Have you got that? Yeah, short circulation. Oh, yeah, short. Well, this is this is this is a fun fact. So is Colson. So have I. Have you? Yeah, maybe. I, I, I so have I. <laughs> I haven't got it. Colson's got it. Have a little chat about it. For those that don't know, Reynards is when you got short circulation of blood in your hands, and they go feet really as cold. well. Um, I don't know if it is feet. See, I get it. Might hands, be, feet, though. kneecaps. Oh, my knees are okay. Anyway, so my hands basically go... Blue. Like, white, purple, black, then fall off. God, that's a that's a heavy walk. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it took a long time for all the blood to come back in them. Do you ever lose the ability to use them? Yeah. I had it. I was in the Peak District filming something this week, and I was running, and my shoelace came undone, and... <laughs> Couldn't use my hands. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't tie my shoes up. And obviously, COVID, social distancing. So no one can tie my shoelace for me. So I'm there going, I can't do it. Did you ring your mum? Well, it was either four hours for my mum or eight hours for you. It's hard being cold. It's really hard. And Ben, always, ben the minute Ben gets to the flat, there's a meter reading and he'll go, you need to stop using these radiators. <laughs> now, I got you with an absolute... Big one because Coulson 
it got cold and then it was suggested to him he leave the heating on full all day and night to warm up and then they gave us a meter reading and i said to Coles, i said all oh, meter reading came to him he said oh i said it's it's up there he said what do you mean i said it's up it's like it's a grand <laughs> 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 Could you imagine? Um, Colson, how was your week? Um, steady away, you know. A um, lot of work, which has been nice. And um, obviously, we are officially in spring, aren't we? Mm. And it's coming to summer. It's coming to the end of lockdown. And I thought, well, it, it, it's time. So I got on the old Amazon. I've ordered John Frieda Go Blonder and a shitload of purple <laughs> oh, shampoo. God. It's time. <laughs> your hair at the moment is quite blonde, Colson. Yes, Ben. Because I've had a week of John Frieda. Oh, he's been on it. I'm on it. We're nearly at a year of lockdown, aren't we? We are. We are. So yes. it's nearly, it's probably not far away from being a year since I ordered my first bottle of John Frieda. So I thought, <laughs> it, it's time. Happy anniversary. What a lockdown it's been for you. <laughs> Look how far you've Look how come. far you've come. I've changed. But I had, I, to be honest, I haven't noticed the colour go off. It did change when summer dropped. When I lost the sunlight. It changed. Uh, okay. But it didn't go back to the original colour you had, did it? It's never gone back to that. No. But I'm in the predicament of the moment of... Is that the right word? Predicament? Did you say what, predicament? What, what did you say? You're saying it fast. So you say it predicament. Predicament. What are you saying? Predicament. predicament. Pre- predicament. Yeah. There we go. Predicament. Predicament yeah. sounds good. <laughs> so I'm in the predicament of the... No, you got it right. You're in so the- my issue at the moment yeah. is... <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. Barbers are short. And yeah. my hair stays the same colour on top, but grows out ginger. So it looks fucking horrendous when I can't have the sides cut. So basically, it's all going to be perfect. When I can have my hair cut, it's going to be in perfect timing for me to layer on the purple shampoo. And he's back. He's back. He's all blondy from the good, the bad and the ugly. I'm here. <laughs> So that, in effect, has been my week, really. I've work and left alone to order shampoo. To order your shampoo. That's good. That's good. What about you, Ben? What's been going on? My mate texted me after he heard the jelly story. Cacked himself oh, yeah. laughing. Loved Lis- it. Listening to Poocast. Yeah, Poocast. I didn't tell him, obviously. I just thought, let's see if he really listens. <laughs> he texted <laughs> You know when people say, well, I listen to your podcast, yeah. I love it, and you think, oh, okay, I'll name you in the podcast, see if you bloody do <laughs> yeah. listen. He does, to be see. fair. Um, not a lot. Mach- washing machine broke. Ah. Ah. With the door open and still spinning. That's the old one we haven't Ooh. seen for a while. That's the old, why is the water all over the kitchen Oh. And why the clothes spinning through the kitchen? I think oh. the door's broken. Really? <laughs> really? The, the dog goes in the washing machine, starts spinning around. Star was like, so I hate anything mechanical. She hates a brush, a vacuum, anything like that. Rang up, door broke, rang him up. Can you fix it? Ten days. Mm. Um, bought another washing machine. <laughs> couldn't yeah. wait 10 days I'm Just like got another. Ten day- well he said to me to be fair it's 8 years old and he said look I could fix it and it breaks again you I went fine yeah. dude I'm getting another one I want a massive one that won't break please that's all I said what to have him. you gone for? Have you gone for like a big Dyson special? <laughs> no, I just rang up the lad who lives works down the road and said, "What have you got?" He said, "This." I said, "Fine, I'll have that." Fine. When can you put it in tomorrow? Fine. <laughs> I didn't even ask the make. I said, "Fine, let's get it on. Let's get it in. Get it working. Get it washed." So that was it. Big week. Washing machine throwing clothes all over the place. Yeah. Um, apart from that, steady away. We're coming to the end of Series 3. So if we take a bit of a moment to reflect on, you know, the change in the podcast. We've we've had a bit of a chat, haven't we, between us? And it's fair to say we've got quite a lot on the pipeline, haven't we, for Series 4 and the future of Sofa Cinema Club? Well, Well, we've introduced little extra segments to the podcast. Hang on, straight into Jackson and Gems this, isn't it? No, we we have new segments, don't we, on this season? And we're pleased to announce that for season four, we've got even more. We're not going to tell you what they are just yet, but we do have a lot more that's planned for season four, which is exciting. We're excited, so they should be. Yeah, exciting times to be in the Sofa Cinema Club, I guess. When did we start this one? 
Like September or something? No, it was Halloween, wasn't it? First one Halloween. He did Monster House. <laughs> the classic. <laughs> How did I forget that? How yeah. have our viewers, our listeners, kept with us through the unbelievable kickoff of Monster House? I forgot. It's been a journey. We've had some big films. We've had some big films. And actually, we've got a lot more people listening to us, haven't we? Yeah. People seem to want to listen to your hair dye, my washing machine, and your walk. Brilliant. If if I knew you, it's so easy. And some people even want to listen to us talking about films. So, Ooh, shall we do it? Lovely. Look at that. Hello. That's three series Brilliant. there, isn't it? That, should we, that's should... another series commissioned, just for that thing alone. <laughs> right. Smooth. Fatal Attraction, the last synopsis of the series... Go on, Shepard. Go yep. on. Here he goes. He's, I can see he's ready. I can see his little face. Fatal Attraction came out in 1987. Uh, it follows a character called Dan Gallagher, played by Michael Douglas, who seems to be a successful businessman, seems to have a good job. Lawyer. Lawyer, yeah. Works in uh, New York City. And uh, he's got a family, wife, small child little girl, everything seems to be fine. He meets a woman, played uh, Glenn Close. Uh, she's called Alex Forrest. And there's chemistry between the two um, quite early on. Uh, they begin to have an affair, uh, a one-night stand, it seems, over over the course of like a weekend. And then she becomes attached and obsessed with him. And she um, wants him to leave his wife and start a relationship up with her and he tries to give her the old heave-ho, the old elbow, but she's not going away and she becomes latched onto him and his family and everything about him. And it's it's a scary film. It's really good. Now, Coulson, you didn't know anything about that. You actually thought it was in space. I did. I did. I thought it was in space. And you told me it was in space, so... I thought I'd found the wrong film at first. And I, when I was watching it, I thought, this is a Ben film. What do you mean? What do you mean? I found it similar to Aaron Brockovic and working at... <laughs> <laughs> Brickvic, whatever the fuck it was called. Listen to, listen to us for films. Aaron Brickvic. I think you said Go that on. on the last time. Yeah. Brockovic. Brockovic. My point basically is, it's one of them films that was quite easy to watch and is known as being a famous film. Well, it's it's just relationships, isn't it, this film? Is that what you mean? It's just, it's just human relationships. Yeah, but it, for me, it's just trying to be a run-of-the-mill film, yeah? Whereas Raging Bull... Um, so, some films try and do something and can be quite difficult to watch, whereas this, for the fundamentals of the film are story and acting. Oh, yeah, it's not. It's not in some amazing tropical country. It's not in one set. You know, it is just a very simple, stripped-back film. It could be a play. I think is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's believable. Yeah, it's easy in a way, but also complex. I know that makes no sense whatsoever, but it does to me. No, that makes sense. It's fine, Coulson. Fine. I know what you mean. There's not many twists and turns. No, you know exactly where you are. You get the characters very early on. They establish very early on their affair. Very quickly, he says, no, I've had enough. Tiny cast. Tiny cast. Three characters, really, isn't it? Exactly. So I get what you're saying. It's not like you're saying to us, look, I couldn't follow it all the way through or whatever. It's very easy to follow. The director ramps it up all the way through the film very cleverly. Yeah, I understand what you mean. And it's got that 80s feel to it. Directed by a man or a woman? Adrian Lynn, English. Man. Man, English man. What, yeah. do anything else? Yeah, low flash dance, indecent proposal. Yeah, that's the one. Nine and a half weeks, which was very famous, very raunchy. Yeah, he sort of became, he sort of did the film again, didn't he, really? So, I got off to a bad start with the film. Ooh. And it's straight, it's off into almost the first rant of the podcast. So, that first scene where they're sat watching the telly, and the kids watching the guy get slimed, reminded me of my worst ever experience as a TV personality actor, whatever I want to call myself. I know, I know Jack knows this, this. So, Ben, I went on children's TV and they said to me, 
would you potentially be up for doing this? It's a head-to-head challenge. And I was on with another guy, and the other guy said, yeah, that's fine. And I went, if he's fair enough to do it, I'm happy to do it, sort of thing. When ended up the end of the show, me getting slimed. Oh, and you showed prop- me a video yes, of that. Yes, there is a video on YouTube, which I've tried. I get my, I speak to my agent about getting it deleted. It's got like 10,000 <laughs> views. Oh, hello! What's going on the Instagram for the Sofa Cinema Club? Hello! I I think we need to know that the audience (laughs) want to see a sliming Coulson, don't we? But, like, PTSD, sort of, it was traumatic. And I remember getting back to the flat when I was living with Jack, and Jack looked at me, and Ben, I was (laughs) drenched. I didn't bring a spare set of clothes. So I've walked home. So work me through slime. Does it taste <laughs> weird? Is it is, is it gloopy? Is it like safe? It's safe, yeah? I don't know what it is. Gloop is perfect. But Ben, there must have been about 20 buckets of it on me, yeah? And then they went, do you want to get a shower? And I was like, yeah, I need to get a shower. So I was a big boy back in these days. So I was already big. And I've then got probably 20 stone of slime on me. So I'm carting myself around the studio immediately. Dripping, green, purple, blue, orange, horrendous. All hair in in my hoodie, down my clothes, every fucking where you don't want slime to be. So I, <laughs> I go and have a shower. I open the door of my dressing room. And who comes out of the dressing room next to me? Fucking Will I Am and Jennifer Hudson. And go, look <laughs> up and down at me. I'm covered in slime. And they go, hey, man. And I'm like, you all right? I was so embarrassed and then had the shower and had to put my wet clothes back on and then walked home and Jack went, are you all right? And I went, no. Did you get a prize or anything? No, it's just end of the show, Slime Colson. How many views has it got on YouTube? Shall I have a quick look? Colson Slime. Um, Corey Colson Smith gets slimed. Oh, yes, it is. It is. <laughs> Actually, there's more than one. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's an absolute smash. Oh, Ben, buckets full. It's a smash. Right, okay, perfect. Guess how many people have seen it? Uh, well, I'm going to say 10,000 people. Colson? Yeah, 20,000, 15,000. Seven? Oh. 7,000, you're fine. Oh. Ah, you're fine, fine. Oh. you're fine, you're fine. A small football crowd, you're fine. I mean, after Jack's <laughs> put it on his Instagram and Twitter, after it's been on so we're talking, it'll be Ben's going to put it on TikTok. It's bright green. Oh, Ben, it was awful. Yeah. So hold on. You're watching Fatal Attraction. The first thing that pops up is your worst nightmare. <laughs> this actually sent you almost the end of the film immediately within the first three minutes you could have just switched the film off and gone that was one of the most scary things i've ever seen yeah so did you recover did you did you start to be able to watch it i mean it took a good it took a good 20 minutes it did take a good 20 minutes but you got you got what this gig was he went to a bar went to a party with his wife yeah so as jack said in the synopsis we get to see a very normal run-of-the-mill family single child family happily married the dad's working the mum's work you know they're getting ready for a night out the babysitter's coming around very normal very happy standard and then they go to this event don't they straight away that the husband's been invited to through work it's a bit of a networking shindig for um a self-help book's been released he, he he's a lawyer and he works in publishing doesn't he yeah yeah basically and he meets he meets a girl at the bar who his mates tried to hit on previously is kind of a joke, and he sits at the bar and he chats to her, and instantly you see chemistry. And you think nothing of it, really. He says, that's my wife, I've, I've got to go, and she says, I'll see you later. And typically, the next day he goes into work for his meeting, and guess who is there in his meeting? The girl he met at the bar, who is um, Alex, Alex Forrest, played by Glenn Close. They're meeting on a Saturday, aren't they? Yeah, and his wife and kid have gone to the country. She's also said when she's going to the country to see her parents, they are potentially looking at moving to the country yeah. to be close to her parents. But at the time, um, Dan, he's not really keen on the idea of moving to the country. You know, he, he He's a New Yorker. He, want, he wants to be there. So, man is working. Family have gone to the country. And he's in this meeting and he meets this woman. 
you kind of know where it's going to go, don't you? I didn't get it straight away, but the title of the film, Fatal Attraction, I was like, so it's obviously yeah. that kind of thing. And it's not set in space. And it's not set in space. <laughs> so they exit, don't they? And it's raining. And it's that classic bit of the umbrella and then the intimacy under the umbrella. And then he says, shall we just go for a drink until it stops? Yeah. And then it's that scene in the bar. That's when that's when you know, isn't it? There's that contact between them where you can tell that this one isn't going to end well. And two, he's going to do something that he shouldn't do. Well, he sort of tries to check it out, doesn't he? She says, you seem very discreet. And he says, I am. I'm very discreet. Are you discreet? So they're talking. He's basically saying. Talking around. I won't won't say anything if you won't say anything. They're talking about the subject without saying, are we going to have an affair? Are we going to sleep with each other tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Massively flirting. Yeah. Yeah. Which is even, it's great because it's even more uncomfortable to watch. Because if he outright said, are we going to go back to your house and have an affair? it's a bit easy, but the fact that it's awkward and you know it's wrong and it's there's so much taboo around it, that helps, I think, in as an audience viewer to kind of be on the edge a little bit and to start feeling uncomfortable. And you can see the way Michael Douglas plays it, he's not entirely comfortable. He's not entirely sure as well, is he? Is he just having a drink with a colleague is there no harm in that? And he, I think he actually says, I don't see a, any harm in us just having a drink. And I think she says... Because she like, brings it up, doesn't she? What would your wife think? Yeah, she says, where's your wife? And she says, I was out of town. She goes, and what are you doing here? And he goes, what? She's sort of alarmingly direct at points, isn't she? She's alarmingly straight to it. And he even says that. He says, wow, you really get to it. Yeah. And when he said, well, what about you? You know, Saturday night? living in New York, not going on a date. And she went, oh, I had a date. I told him I was busy. And it's like, okay, there's a foot in camp from each person here. And you kind of know where it's going to go. And it certainly does go, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that. That's what I'm waiting for. Is is Jack frozen? He has frozen. Do you do your Jack impression? So Jack, what do you think? Oh, I don't know. Hmm. It is a bit like that. Oh, he's so, back. Oh, look, Jack. He coming? He's coming back. He's so, back. Yeah. The electrics just went. Power cut. The electrics just went. So I think the Wi-Fi all went off. So I've just connected it to my hotspot. I'll tell you what now, ladies and gentlemen, that's commitment. He's in a terrible state. He's got no electric, no plugs. Be costing him a fortune, that will, on his next phone bill. Right, so... We've basically got to the point where Coulson has got a bit hot under collar. Making love. Well, that scene, I was... <laughs> I didn't know whether to laugh, get aroused, or what. When they're doing... Get the, aroused. Yeah, with the, the sex scene in the sink. What I mean, what was what was that meant to be? When she starts getting the water and putting it... Throwing it in his face, I don't really know. annoyed the director, that scene. Because he said he's made this whole film... And one of the only things people talk about is of the two sections. The one in the lift and the one with the water. Water's better than lift. Oh, no. I preferred <laughs> lift to water. Water confused me. I just liked how out there water was. I thought it was really out there. Like, it's meant to just show passion in the moment. And the fact that it's an affair and they don't know each other from Adam means that they've got no inhibitions and they can literally throw water on each other's faces and get down to doing what they want to do. He doesn't do that with his wife, does he? No, they're brought into this almost animalistic relationship between each other. They don't really know each other. And actually, the film has to do that, doesn't it? It has to kick you off very, very quickly to understand what are they both getting from it, why are they doing it? And you see that scene, it probably doesn't last that long, but it sets it up, doesn't it? I remember it's quite famous when it came out. It was really famous. People would talk about that. Mm. Um, so you've livened up a bit there Colson you've co- got over the sliming you've livened up yeah but I'm going to let Jack talk about all the sex because my mum listens to this podcast he throws around flat doesn't he he throws her everywhere all over the shop for a first date for an affair first date isn't it funny how last week we say my dad's having an affair with a physio and now we're doing a podcast <laughs> 
By the way, that was not mentioned in my house whatsoever. No, nobody, nobody picked up on it. <laughs> so yeah, um, it is. It's a full-on first date. They start off in the business meeting, then they go for a drink. Then they don't have dinner, do they? Or do they have dinner? I think that's the point. Is it, it's meant to be a drink? Goes to dinner. Then they have some drinks. Then they have sex. Then they go and do the Lombarda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then I was. Then they come back. Then they get into that. She lives in the meatpacking district, doesn't she, in New York? Yeah. Then they get back in the lift. Then there's the very famous scene in the lift where they have sex again. Then yeah. they get back into the flat, don't they? And then we wake up with them both. He has to leave, done it in the morning, because he's left the dog on his own. I, I have to say, that was the bit that really got me. He left the dog. Yeah, it really got me, really annoyed me. I watched it with my girlfriend, her mum, and her sister, and they all said the same thing, Ben. They all they all went, he's left the dog on his own. <laughs> it really <laughs> threw me off, because I thought that dog's going to be desperate yeah. for a piss and a shit. And I bet you get angry when it's done a yeah. piss and shit in the corner, and you've been out, rolling around, having dinner, going to Lombarda. That poor golden retriever needs a slash. How incredibly good as well when he does finally get back and the dog's asleep at the door and he opens the door and it shoves and wakes. That shot must have taken ages to line up just to wait for the dog to sit in that exact spot, fall asleep. So when he opens the door, it wakes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that that was my standout shot. Weirdly, he gets back, sorts the dog out, <laughs> listens to his answer machine and finds his, loads of messages from his wife as he would. Feels guilty, doesn't he? Yeah. Takes a shower. You see it in him instantly of what the fuck have I just done? Like the shower bit, that's that kind of him feeling dirty, isn't it? And ashamed of what he's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the, my favourite bits is that bit where he's running around and he's thinking, oh fuck, I haven't slept here. And he gets in the bed, pretend he's been asleep and gets back out. Yeah. Like you said, Coulson, you start almost immediately, it's unravelled a bit, but he then thinks to himself... I think it's going to be all right, isn't it? It's going to be fine. I'm going to, yeah. Well, it's just a one night stand, isn't it? He thinks he can get away with it. But then we have the issue of her ringing him up and saying, where are you? Which he immediately shits himself because he's like, didn't you get my note? And B, why the fuck are you ringing me at home? His wife could have been there. His wife could have answered. Luckily, she isn't. And then he finds out that he's... um, his wife's not no, coming home staying, that night, yeah. is she? He's got another night. He's got round two, basically. <laughs> round round two's there <laughs> if he wants it. We've done the sink. We've done so, the lift. We've done he's the lombarda. Oh, I don't know. What's next? Foxtrot. And then bowling. <laughs> Just go to bed, normal bed. It's too much for me. But he doesn't, he doesn't want it, does he? Because she talks i mean you know he says i've got to work i've got to do this i've got to do that i've got to take the dog for a walk well interestingly when he says i've got to take the dog for the walk he says she says i'm great with animals and i'm a really good cook yeah which obviously we know towards the end of the yeah. film what she ends yeah, up doing yeah. with an animal oh fuck yeah, yeah. and i'm a good cook oh, <laughs> yeah. boom yeah she's and- seen it already so they go out for a dog walk into a really weird bit where they're sort of it's like what it made me think was. It's like they're in that kind of semi-young love, like yeah. first love. lust, lust. Mm. lust. It's like really weird, creating those memories, sort of. Yeah, thing. he's sort of forgotten completely about his wife and his kids. She's completely in love with him. The dog is just happy to have a piss. <laughs> <laughs> the bit that gets me as well about that is, it's a rhetorical question. This, but if you were to have an affair. You're not going to go around Central Park with the woman you're having the affair with after one night with your family dog rolling around in the grass, are you? Like, he's he's lost sense of reality instantly. It just gets so familiar so quickly. And I think that bit for me felt even more uncomfortable. I don't think he's a particularly nice character. He takes the family dog to the, like, flat of the girl that he's having an affair with. Yes. And just carry, like, he starts working at the desk. letting And it's that bit of she cooks him spag ball and he goes home and he feeds the dog the spag ball that his wife's cooked him. And he even phones his wife while he's at her apartment, doesn't he? And he says, I just got out of the shower. Sorry, did you ring? Yeah. And he's just chancing that she might have phoned. Like, we all talk about Glenn Close's character and... 
you know, where it goes to. But at the start, he, like you say, Colson, he's completely lost his reality. Well, his wife's beautiful, for one thing. He's got, it seems as though he's got a great kid. That little girl's adorable. Great house, New York, steady away job. So yeah, why is yeah. he having an affair? Everything we've just discussed clicks with him. Yeah. He goes, why am I having an affair? I've got a wife. This isn't how it should be. Mm. And he works out that Alex is, you know, she's not taking this as the one night stand at the weekend. And he says, I'm going. And she says, no, it, it, I'd rather you not give me the bullshit. I'd rather you just tell me to fuck off. And he goes, fine, fuck off then. Which I thought was a great line, by the way. Yeah. I really liked that scene. He's basically said, he, he sort of like, he lays down everything in front of her and says, well, you know I am. You know I've got a wife. You know I've got a kid. You knew everything about me before we did any of this. And she's like, oh, you're just going to have your fun and now leave. Is that it? And he does that knobhead bit, which obviously he's he's had an affair, which is a knobhead move. But he then does that knobhead bit of telling the girl that he's just used how good his life is and why she's not good enough because his life's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, why would I go with you when I've got this? And she goes, if you're going to give me all that moral shit, I'd rather you show me to fuck off. And literally, when he says, fine, fuck off then, he means it. He doesn't want anything to do with you. He just wanted a roll around in the sheets whilst his wife was in the country. He just wanted to have a shag in the sink. <laughs> so he goes to leave. And when the camera turns to her and she's in that white nighty with her hands behind her back, that, for me, mm. is the first moment I went psycho. Did you think she had a knife? Yes. They did great shots of her when her eyes are immaculate. Like, she does so much acting with her eyes. But that shot, when it turned around, it was slightly wider, slightly more profile than anything else. And she had her hands behind her back. And I went, psycho, she's going to kill him. She's going to try and kill him. But there was a slight moment. You know when he says, he tells it, I'd rather you told me to fuck off. And he says, fuck off. There's a very slight flicker in her eye. Just, I saw, I thought that was a, a slight flicker of, oh, you've crossed that bit of the line now. I saw that preempting that scene where she's got a hand behind. First time I saw it, I thought it was a knife. You're right. Something's changed in her look, in the dynamic. And it, it came for me at that point, which is the perfect point to do, because as we realise, he goes to give her a hug and it then turns passionate and they start kissing and... This blood appears on his face because she's been holding his face. Well, we and see it before he does, don't we? Yeah. You, When he sees the blood on his face, you realise that she's actually slit her wrists, which then he goes into fight or flight moment, doesn't he? And save her. Well, save her, but don't take her to hospital. Yeah, and then <laughs> leave her and say, make sure you go to hospital. <laughs> That's your artistic licence in the film, that bit, isn't it, really? No, he doesn't want anything to do with her. Exactly. He's not going to take her to hospital. Then they start asking questions. I think she's right. You've had your bit of fun. And actually, it's not. it doesn't work like that. I'm sorry. It's not like you get to walk out my life. Yeah, but slashing her wrists is extreme as well. I'm not defending him. I'm not saying what he's done yeah. is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big overreaction as well. Well, the word you just used then, Jack, extreme, I think is almost perfect because it then makes this whole situation very extreme. Everything from this point on in the film becomes quite extreme. Yeah, I mean, it's very clever script-wise, isn't it? You've gone, you've gone very, very quickly. Happily married guy, not so happily married, big affair... All in a weekend, slashes her wrists, it's kicked right off very quickly. From that shot in the nighty, I think that's when the hints of this psychological thriller, it's not the rom-com, it's not the drama. From that onwards, that's when, for me, the film changes into this thriller type thing. Yeah, and then the wife comes back home, doesn't she, from being in the country. Yes. So... She's always at home now, and then that's when Alex starts to constantly ring the house. He does entertain it a little bit, which is kind of a mistake, but I think he entertains it because he kind of feels semi-guilty at the fact she's just slit her wrists. Mm, yeah. And then it just escalates, doesn't it? It's more phone well, calls. she said she's pregnant. She's at, she says, I'm really sorry for what I did, and you need to know, mm. I went to my gynecologist, this is his card. 
I'm pregnant. And that ramped it right up. Right up. That That's the scene in the subway, isn't it? The kind of walk and talk scene, which I think was done really well. Yeah. And I liked, I don't know, just a little bit of... Um, ben, you might know this better from a director point of view, but... So that scene where she says she's pregnant and they're walking and talking, they're following down the subway steps fairly bad and then they stop, they have the bit and then they walk off and it's all very quick and fast. Then to the stationery of him and his mate in the library and the calm. Yeah. That for me, I don't know why, but that was probably one of my favourite scenes because it settled everything and he kind of painted the picture of how much of a fucked up position he's now in. And he was after, he was having to whisper because yeah. he's in the library. And it's all that kind of, he starts watching his back then, doesn't he? Yes, he's only looking for the library. But, but it's also mm. that cold, calculating part of him. He's in the library, the lawyer's library. It's, it's business library. Yeah. I mean, you don't have them now. You have the internet. But back in those days, all the law books, you had to have them. And he's talking to his mate in quite, you're quite right. It's deliberate, quite a silent, quiet place. How can this go away? And it almost shows that he's going to gain complete control. So with her, it's really frantic. And then he gets it calm and still and he's in complete control. And every scene that Michael Douglas is in, Without her, he is quite calm and in control, and she just escalates everything to a hundred mile an hour, and that's what he can't cope with, and they can't match. They're going to leave the flat, aren't they? They've bought this house in in the country. He comes back from the office one day, and she's sitting there talking to his wife because she wants to buy the flat. And the world falls out of his arsehole, doesn't it? <laughs> As if you wouldn't look at him and go, what the fuck is going on? She's very good in that scene. I don't think he's very good. I know what you mean. Like, he lets the cat out of the bag, do you think? Yeah, he does instantly. I think she's amazing in it. Because she's like, her eyes are saying one thing, almost saying, yeah, no, no, hold on, I think we've met. Haven't we met? Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 we haven't met. Yeah. It, it was too much for me. He makes it obvious. If, if we were the wife, we would be able to tell something was wrong. That's what you're saying. But we'd only be able to tell from Douglas's acting, not from Glenn Close. But then from acting. an actor's yeah. point of view, us three can say this, a hell of a lot easier to be her in that position. Because it's easier to play the psycho, isn't it? You know, she's the progressor sort of thing in what she does. I suppose, because all she has to do is just seem nice and seem calm and collective and the more calm and collective and nice that she is the more psychotic she seems and that's when they start there's quite a lot of shots that they just hold for that split second second where it's uncomfortable on her it's her face you see her eyes and it starts to build up that psychoticness doesn't it and it's you know it's there in that house when he's with the wife and yet you are right actually well they go ex-directory and at the end, mm. she goes, I really like this flat. It's a really, it's a very well shot scene. I really like it. And the wife goes, let me give you our direct number. And if you see Douglas in the back, he just, you could see his head drop and go, oh, fuck. Because we went ex-directory. She couldn't ring us. And now you've given the phone number again. And there's that moment where you could see Glenn Close's character goes, oh, Thank you. She gets the card and his head falls. I'll be in touch. And then you're like, game on. <laughs> Here we go. Because, I mean, she's, you know, she's outmaneuvered him. And his, you know, his position is, I'm just going to run away, which is why he says to his wife, Beth, that's why he says, look, let's buy the house in the country. Let's do it. Let's do it now. Let's not wait. It moves on fast, doesn't it? They buy that house, they're in, they've decorated. <laughs> Have you noticed? He makes it all happen quickly, doesn't it? He makes it all happen quickly because he is running away from this responsibility back in New York. Mm. And you think he almost has got away. And the other bit of information, Ben, that she gathers when she's going around to view that flat is, she says, oh, have you found anywhere nice? And she says, yeah, we found a little place in a village called... And she gives the name, doesn't she? And when she says it, Dan kind of gives another, like, you know, this this isn't going to run away sort of thing. But let's take it to the point where she pours the acid on his car. So he's finished work. He's gone to pick up his car, like in our underground car park course, and he's gone down. 
Don't worry. It's the old alien blood all over, <laughs> yeah. all over his Volvo. I, I had to say to myself, it's not easy to carry acid like that, is it? I know. 1987, you could just buy it on the street I, corner. I need some acid. Well, what kind? Well, enough to burn a car. Um, <laughs> all right, give me a second. Careful how you carry it. She's in those, you know, she pours it on his car and then she's watching him, isn't she? He gets to a higher car, gets in the higher car. She follows him. She follows him back home. She goes, I know where you live. The tape as well as he had. He's had the tape delivered to work. He listens to the tape in the car. Yeah, as she's following him. And in that sort of point, I think he's probably in that car park scene, which is shot really well through the levels. Um, but that's where the score in the film starts to change, isn't it? And it starts to build a lot more suspense and tension. And you know, you know, I kept thinking the film's called Fatal Attraction. Like, some someone's going to die. There's going to be some space in this. There's an alien coming out somewhere. <laughs> it's, be. it's been three quarters of the way through. Come on now. Okay, we've had off fun. <laughs> I really love the bit. What what I do like is he's a lot of wides. He's quite far back. And she runs from a car over the garden and looks through the window and looks at him with his wife and his kids in an almost kind of like, it's Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. Idyllic Christmas scene. And she wants that. Yeah. And he sees his kid happy with the rabbit and it's kind of that old yeah. lovey bit. Well, that's when I text you guys and said, telling you she's going to kill the rabbit. Very, very famous scene. As Jack alluded to before this, the bunny boiler scene. Ah, that's where it comes from. Where do you think it came from? No, I'd completely forgot that you'd said uh, Bunny Boiler comes the from bunny that. Boiler. Yeah, that's where it yeah. comes from. So she's bunny a Bunny Boiler. And you notice how he shot it. You know, he shoots it almost handheld. Fun fact, real rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> God, no, that's Jack. terrible. Real no. rabbit. They, it was already dead. They killed no. the rabbit for the film. No, they didn't kill the rabbit for the film. The rabbit was already dead. They got the rabbit and they said, we need it for the film. And they boiled the rabbit, the carcass of the rabbit in the pan. Her reaction when the pan lid comes off, it's not, oh my God, there's a rabbit dead. It's the smell of the burning, boiling carcass of the rabbit that hit her. And it's the smell that makes her do that face. Real rabbit. Good fact. So he has to basically now come clean, doesn't he? Yeah. And but from from the rabbit being boiled, you instantly you know how you said handheld, you feel like they're being followed now, don't you? It is really heating up. So he has a scene where he comes clean. And what did you think of that scene? Because I didn't think he was great, but then I thought he was brilliant in that tiny, tiny scene where they ring her up. I thought she was great because, well, she switches the power. They switch the power, don't they? Because all she had, she had Douglas by the balls because his wife didn't know. And then when Anne Archer, who plays Beth, his wife, when she finds out and she... Because it's that line where Alex goes, you haven't told her, you haven't got the balls. And he leaves the phone... And you can, it's obviously frost between them two and Beth picks up the phone and she says, this is Beth Gallagher. If you come near my family again, I'll fucking kill you. Boom. Power shift back to her. I love that. Yeah, I get you. I also was a bit annoyed that actually it's come right to the end. The bunny's dead. She's been ringing up and all this. And then eventually he says, oh, I had an affair. He's being honest now. He's oh, right telling... at the very end, he's being honest. After... Because the <laughs> rabbit's dead. Because she's saying, let's go to the police. But he knows ex- he knows instantly who it is. Yeah, because he doesn't want to be found out. Well, no. I mean, yeah, he tried to get away with it, didn't he? But it's like, it, it, it comes down to, his fa- he doesn't say anything till his family are in real danger. Then he goes, oh, I better, I forgot, I didn't mention this, but the person <laughs> boiling the bunny is someone I had an affair with. He's not facing the consequence. He's not taking responsibility. But he also doesn't want them to go to the police because he's a lawyer. He might lose his job. They do a very clever little thing, which is he has that scene with the boss, the head of the law firm. He's going to be made partner. And he's he's riding high. If he goes to the police and this comes out, he won't be partner. And if you're made partner, you're a multimillionaire. So he goes to knock seven bells of shit out of Alex, doesn't he? 
Which actually is quite extraordinary, because if you look at that, a lot of that is Glenn Close. And he's throwing her around. Yeah, it's not a double. No. Like, when she's on the ground, she's kicking him away. It's Glenn Close. She was actually pregnant at the time. For filming that, and she didn't know. And she only found out after filming. And now when she sees that film and sees those clips back, she sort of winces because she knows that she was pregnant. And God forbid anything happened. But, yeah, she just threw herself in and went, oh, no, it's got to suffer for your art and whatnot. But, yeah, she was she was early early doors pregnant at the time. So he goes to strangle her. There's that famous shot where he look, they look back on him while he's strangling her. He suddenly realises what he's doing. He stops. He gets up. She comes after him with a knife. He gets the knife off her, places the knife down as if to say, that's it, done. And then he goes back to the police, doesn't he? And the only message that he's getting from the police is, if your client really does need this, they have to catch her in the act. And obviously he's been kicked out by his wife, so he's living away. And his wife goes to pick up their kid from school, doesn't she? Yes. And the kid's not there. I mean, that's a real step up in the script. It's very smart, isn't it? Because you think to yourself, well, it's been pretty bad now. But then the child goes... And everyone in the cinema is going, oh, no. For a parent to watch, it must be so discomforting and, like, relate. Because it's probably everyone's worst nightmare, in a way, I would imagine. Yeah. And you see the two sides, don't you? You see the mum and Archer, and you see Glenn Close has taken him. Very, very, very famous shot with Glenn Close on that roller coaster. Do you know who she reminded me of? Who? Slideshow Bob. Sideshow, slideshow, slideshow, sideshow, Bob. Bob. Hi, I'm Slideshow Bob. (laughs) Do you get what I mean? Hair psycho. Yeah, yeah. Very good scene. Curly hair, but yeah. Uh, Anne Archer has a crash, doesn't she? Because she's looking for the child. Has a shunt. Ends up in hospital. She comes out of hospital. She looks a bit battered, to be fair. Yeah, her eyes like she's been beaten up. Oh, I did feel sorry for her. I felt sorry for her. And she's in the bathroom. She's looking in the mirror. Then you get that shot of Glenn Close behind her. Glenn Close is in the house. Yeah. When he's locking anyone that's outside out, you know that he's locking someone in, don't you? Yeah. Like, it just gives you that. The score. I was on edge to be frightened. Yeah. So there's that shot in the mirror. I, I mean, you shit yourself. Yeah, oh, fuck wipes you. away the steam from the bath and she's there and she's got a knife. But Dan's downstairs, you can't hear anything because the kettle's boiling and it is pure fear, isn't it? And again, Anna Archer, who played Beth, just like her performance is in such a small part is so yes. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has to sell it. That's a such a good psychological villain and also a victim at the same time. Yeah. But I couldn't work out... You know when she's got the knife and she's slashing? She's stabbing herself, isn't she? Oh, she's stabbing herself. Okay. Yeah. You can see that anger, that craze, that like psychoticness in her when she's doing that. Yeah. And it gets to a point where she attacks her as he takes the kettle off. And he hears it and he runs upstairs. He's a bit dopey though. He sees the water coming from the ceiling and he doesn't do anything. I'm thinking, come on. Douglas. The dog sees it and goes, you didn't take me for a piss a few scenes ago. I'm not telling you. <laughs> dog doesn't, dog doesn't, our dog be straight up. Fighting yeah. off. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Bad guard dog. <laughs> if it let, Saying that, the dog's familiar with Alex Forrest, isn't he? Because they've rolled around in Central Park together. Very yeah, clever. They have. Well Very done. Good. Well done. So then he bowls in for the big fight, the big showdown. Knife, shower curtain, Overflowing bath. Very famous scene. The director regrets um, the bathtub shot that he did, actually, with the white eyes. Because it didn't look like her. He said he he just thought it was a bit over the top and not needed when she had those uh, contact lens white eyes on. I quite liked him. I thought it was I just right. thought it didn't look like her. But I don't know if they were trying to make her look extremely innocent when she was being drowned. That's what I couldn't tell. Yes, I think that's a good point, Colson, actually. I think that is a good point. When he strangles her, you see her as a victim. Yes. But then when he dragged, it just didn't give me that same fit. But I don't know if that's because the strangle was so good as well. I think she was in a, a glass bathtub. Is that right? That's what it seemed to be, as though, so they could get the shot. 
so they could film through the bath. You've done something like that, haven't you? I've done, yeah, I've been, I've, I've been drowning many a baths, actually. <laughs> Wasn't it a fish tank you did, yours? <laughs> no, I was drowned, I was drowned in a bath. We had a glass bottom um. and the director put a camera underneath so you would see my head. Oh, that's come in, the sh- come in the bath. And yeah. Didn't win an Oscar, though. I didn't win an Oscar. I wasn't even nominated. <laughs> anyway, she does it better than me. He, you, you think she's dead? But they always come back. <laughs> you said that like it happens every week. And they always come back. You one, two, three, they always come back. There we go. She she sort of emerges from the bath behind him. Just, <gasps> and then Beth pulls the trigger. Where's she got the gun from? He had it in his drawer. There's a shot earlier where uh, he's on the phone to the police and he as he's on the phone to the police, he checks the drawer and you see the gun. She blows her away, shot to the chest. There is an alternate ending. That is that is the different ending. The original ending is that steals the kid, whatnot, kid gets returned, she has the car accident and she ends up in hospital. The next day, they're burying the rabbit, three of them. Police come and say... Alex Forrest is dead. She's dead in a flat. Your prints are on the knife. Well, after the scene where they fight, and you know he puts the knife down very deliberately on the side, Coulson. Yep. From that, they say she's dead. She killed herself. But she, she's, she, killed, she's dead. She's in the killed herself. Weapon. No, she's dead, and the murder weapon has your prints on. Exactly. Yeah. But what you see, which I think is a brilliant scene, is her knelt down listening to Madam Butterfly killing herself with the knife. They arrest him and put him into prison. So why was why was it changed? Because I think they, they did a few tests on audiences and I think they wanted a happy ending so that he... he because throughout this, when this film came out, she wasn't seen as a victim. She was seen as a complete psychopath and she's the villain of the story. When the actual fact, watching it now, he's the villain pretty much, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I agree it? with that. He's the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. I was having a chat with my girlfriend about it tonight and she was saying if we had to pick who the bad guy was it's him. Yeah. Yeah. She's the single uh, person. Yeah. Her only crime is she falls in love with him and then she gets too attached obviously and she pours alien blood all over his car. What was interesting was I saw an interview with Glenn Close and said she said initially she was quite angry about it because she prepared the character on that ending. On that ending. Not on the ending where they're fighting, getting shot. She said it's a different character. Mm. And they asked her about it. She said she was angry. And then she said the other argument is, would it have been as successful a film as it was without those scenes at the end? I thought, I personally felt, I thought it was a better ending, the one that they didn't use. Mm. That ending does sound so much better. I think because we're seeing the, the film now differently. We're seeing the film as Glenn Close is character is the victim, like you said, Jack. But I think we're seeing it now because it's a different time, yes. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mental health. Yeah, that's a big topic that people talk about that maybe didn't necessarily talk about as much in 1987. Yeah. So I think you can just look at it as with a complete different yeah. viewpoint as to what you when you first watched it. Yeah. So before we rate your last film of the series, let's just take a quick break. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, right. Fatal Attraction ratings. I really love this film. I think as thrillers go, director's done a brilliant job. Very well shot. Very well acted. Two females received Oscar nominations. The score that Coulson touched on. The script. I'm going to go steady away 8.5. I like it. In the middle. No no point seven four two three two. Well, no, I, I was going to go 8.7 just because it came out in 1987. But I think that's, that's silly. Come on, Jack. You're bigger than that. <laughs> Do you know what? I enjoyed this more... I thought it really stood up on a rewatch. I thought it brought very different questions to me than it did when I first saw it. Very quick, different questions about him as a character, her as a character. The idea of, you know, like we've talked about, like seeing her really in a very different way. And I really enjoyed it. I think she's amazing in it. I think uh, I think all the performances are fantastic. I think the kid's fantastic. Kid's very good. Reminds me of that little kid from E.T. I mean, very good. Uh, I think it's very well put together. Um, I think I'm just going to go same, 8.5. I really, really did enjoy re-watching. Some films we've done, we've seen from the 80s and whatever, and haven't actually stood up. And I felt this did stand up. I think Glenn Close's performance is just fantastic. Interesting what Ben just said there about the film standing up because he almost said he saw a different film watching it in 2021 to when he watched it for the first time. Obviously, for me, watching it the first time and almost getting out of it what you two have got out of it on a rewatch is interesting because yeah. I'm watching it with the mind of a 22-year-old who's been brought up in this kind of society. But I think what was also, sorry to jump in, is also, you know the big scenes we've talked about, the bunny boiler... The lift. Once you've seen them once, they that impact dominate. goes. So they dominate. So then you go, what's the film? Yeah. There is a lot that I liked about the film. And doing the podcast has made me like the film more, which it definitely sometimes does with films. Yeah. You know how I said that bit about how it's simple and it's easy? I think I still can't quite sum up what I mean, but it just does a very clever thing. You know, how all the flats are it's white. tight. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It, it's smart. It's clever. Yeah. It's concise. It's well put together. It's a good film. Now, the only thing that I wasn't amazed on was the ending because I was really invested in all of the characters, and the ending when she got shot, I was a bit like, "Well, that's that done," and that's kind of the end, and it's brushed under the carpet very quickly, and you never find out what happens. Um, so my rating is seven point seven five. Seven point seven five. 24.75. Good score. He filmed that film, Michael Douglas, at the same time he did Wall Street. Did he? He filmed them both simultaneously at the same time as each other in New York. Bloody hell. Yeah. Very different characters. He was really at, the, he was really at his height of his fame, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I think at that time, yeah. When this film got released in Korea, yeah. there was protests because... Korea filmmakers didn't want American cinema coming into Korea, basically. They were against it. So when it was shown in cinemas, Korean filmmakers would release snakes uh, into the cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that? No, that's brilliant. 
So Michael Douglas is the guy that I called the lad in the green mile in it. Michael Duncan Clark. Yeah, I called <laughs> yeah, him Michael Douglas. That was it. Douglas, that was it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a bit of a hidden gem for you there, so for Cinema Club fans. And speaking of gems, Jack. Very good. It's that time. Oh, okay, one, two, three. Jack's <laughs> hidden gem of the week. I go high. I do go high. You've not told us what it is. You might have told Ben, you've not told me. I haven't told either of you. I think I told you both I watched this film. A couple of weeks back, I was rooting through the old Netflix archives, and you try to find new things, don't you? And there's this Spanish subtitle film on there at the minute, and it's called The Occupant, and it's basically a little bit like One Hour Photo. You know that film with Robin Williams? Yeah. We've had that in audience pick. It got to the semi-finals once. Yes, it did. <laughs> it got beat by Aaron Brickvick. But anyway, it's a film that's a little bit like that. It's about this guy. He's in Spain. Spanish. Subtitles, remember. He gets fired, basically. He gets sacked from his job. And uh, he's got a, a relatively well-paid job. And he's got this flat and a wife and kid and everything's fine but now he's got no job he starts to um he's forced to sell the apartment yeah a new family buy the apartment yeah but he he becomes obsessed with the family that have bought the apartment it's as though they've got his life now and he's having to have a new life in a shit flat with his wife and get a shit job He's gone down the ladder, basically. I like the and sound. He resents of it. them, and he starts to stalk them in a way. He finds a spare key of his old flat, and he sort of lets himself in, as you do. Honestly, it's it's a shite. You've done very well with it the hidden gems, shite. but this one sounds shite. It's good. It's creepy. Okay. It's creepy. Okay. If you're into I don't want to do it down for our listeners. Watch it. It's a hidden gem. It's so <laughs> oh, hidden, you'll never find it. Okay, so what's it called again, Jack? It's called The Occupant. If you're into subtitles films or something a little bit different, I think it's about 90 minutes, 100 minutes long. It's not very long at all. Very well acted, very well di- directed. Suspense, thriller, not a bad watch. Hidden gem. Watch that one. Jack's hidden gem. Perfect. There you go. Much happening on the old reviews front this week, Ben. Well, we've had one which I don't, I don't, I'm not really quite into. It was fantastic. 4.75 stars. They give it four stars. Great listen. Listen when going on walks, in the car working. The guys are funny. Like the stories in general chat. Also makes me laugh when they get the film facts wrong. Oh, controversial. (laughs) Here we go. Controversial. JMA1794, great podcast. He's kicked it off a great podcast, five stars. Um, Started listening to Sofa Cinema Club when I started working from home way back in March 2020 when the first lockdown started. Chemistry between the lads is great. I think I prefer Colson and Jack over Ben. Mm. Uh, though purely because of their love of LUFC the podcast film oh. suggestions are a great mixed bag and there is something for everyone and as much as some of Coulson's choices are naff you can't bit a beat of cheesiness from time to time agreed but the winner out of all of it is is Watty 25-25 Ben is a legend five stars Ben is a legend Ah, and, he, <laughs> and he's only had to write that twice to get his bloody word count up, so it was enough to post. <laughs> it's great, really. That. It's great. That. Oh, is that a thing? You have to have so it's a many minimum words. Of Thirty letters. So he's just wrote the same thing. He went, again, Ben is a legend. There's... Ben is a legend. That's all that needs to be said. Ah, very good. Please keep the reviews coming in. It really is great. <laughs> One, I need to keep this section going. I haven't got many sections going. He's not, he's not got many sections. I haven't got Hidden Gem. If I don't have you a review, I've got no section. And if I lose my section, I'm worried. I'm going to have to invent something else. So keep reviewing as I can get I can get my section big, really big. Like, leave thousands of reviews. Twice, get your mum to leave them. So I've just got... So the section basically becomes my podcast review section. There we go. Oh, God. Ben's reviews. <laughs> so, Colson, go for it. Winner of this week. So, we had in our semi-finals The Devil Wears Prada. Never seen. 
versus Life is Beautiful, never seen. The other semi-final was Almost Famous, never seen, versus Now You See Me, never seen. The first semi-final was an absolute landslide. Devil Wears Prada winning by over, over 70%. Oh, hello. Landslide. And then the second one, a little bit closer, but quite a comfortable win for Now You See Me. So the final was Devil Wears Prada versus Now You See Me. What do you think of those two films? Uh, <sighs> from memory, Now You See Me is not very good. I, don't, I, I, I like Devil Wears Prada. I like it. I've seen it quite a few times, actually. I've never seen it, but I imagine it's right up my street. I think you'll like Devil Wears Prada. Well, it's a good job that you think I'll like it because it won. Oh. Oh. Next week, we're watching your choice and it's your last choice of the series. So that means we'll be welcoming one of you guys onto the podcast for the synopsis for the last time in series three. We will see you this time next week. Until then, make sure you do keep in touch with our journey on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Sofa Cinema Club on both of them. Keep leaving our reviews as they keep us in the charts. And Ben in a job. (laughs) (laughs) I need to send the podcast. Please, viewers, please. Right. Good night. God bless. Good night. Good night. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.